0: Hello and welcome to Everybody's Bad With Money. AJ here to introduce our incredible guest on today's podcast, Lynette Rizzo. Lynette is the principal and creative director of Allied Maker. At 30, her and her husband grew a garage workshop to a multi-million dollar lighting design and manufacturing machine. She's the organizational guru and creative beacon within the company. Her style influences the expansive lighting collection. Lynette is passionate about living life with with intention and beauty. Her desire to continually improve all facets of living drives her business and her personal life. She's the mother of two beautiful boys that are four and one years old. We hope you enjoy the show.
1: Hello and welcome to Everybody's Bad With Money, where we share stories and get real about personal finance. We make money talk fun. I'm Amelie.
0: And I'm AJ, and we are super excited to have Lynette Rizzo, who is basically my sister from three other misters, (laughs) two other (laughs) misters, Lynette is my best friend, Madison's sister-in-law. So we have spent a lot of time together over the years, and I am so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. So Lynette, let's dive into, before we get into Lynette today, you know, uh, co-partner of Allied Maker, this absolutely incredible brand. Let's talk about Lynette's money story, going back to childhood and kind of what were your beliefs around money and, um, and yeah.
2: So um, my father was born in 1930. He actually had me much later in life. Um, so he grew up in the depression era. And um, obviously that influenced the way he thought about money and just the way he spent, the way he saved. Um, just how he viewed the value of a dollar. Um, And then on the other hand, he married a much younger woman who had a different kind of relationship with money where she was a spender. Like literally sometimes we would go shopping and she'd be like, don't tell your dad. Um, (laughs) So they both had very conflicting views of money but in some ways, both had very unhealthy relationships with money wherein Mm -hmm. he put a little bit too much value on money and she put not enough. Um, so I was definitely growing up. I always questioned, um, you know, my relationship with money, just having these two opposing forces influencing the way I thought about money. Um, so I knew, um, growing up that my relationship with money would be distinctly different because of these two influences. Um, you know, I saw what, my dad did right. I saw what my mom did wrong and vice versa. And I think it was just really beneficial to see the full spectrum of how your relationship with money can form. Um, And I think just really early on, I'm like, okay, I I have too much information for for how this works. I need to really develop how I view money, how I spend my money. You know how I save my money, um, what kinds of things I spend my money on, et cetera. Um, so that way I can really have the type of life that I want. Um, and I think just constant, it's always, always a work in progress. You know, I don't really see it as like an end. Okay. This, this is my relationship with money. Right. Um, I think it always evolves over time. So um, you know, like now where I am obviously is, is I own a house. I have children, you know, as I go through different stages in life, um, you know, my relationship with money changes over time. Um, you know, we have a business, the business also helps, I think, in a lot of ways with how I manage money, because what funnels through the business is, um, a a different type of money source. So managing the money there also helps me personally, Mm. um, so yeah, there, there's just like a lot of facets to it. Um, but I think I've always been very conscious of it because of my parental influence.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting about um, your dad. Did he have like a big, would you say scarcity mindset around money? I think so many p- parents in the from the Great Depression have such a unique uh, relationship with money.
2: Well, I think, yeah. So obviously I grew up in the 90s, I was born in 85. So I grew up in the 90s and I'm like, hey dad, can, you know, we're going to the movies or the mall or whatever, can I can I have some money? And he, he'd like give me $5. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm not going to get very far with $5. <laughs> and he's just like, you, you're going to have to make do, like, this is a lot, you know, and it's not that we didn't have money. It's just, he really wanted me to have this like insane value of money. So um, I think that sort of negotiation over time um, first of all, I think I influenced him over time. So over time, Mm. I think just having a young daughter, he really, um, changed a little bit of his mindset. Um, but yeah, there was definitely a scarcity mindset. He was just like, this is all we have. In fact, his famous words were, I don't have any money. And meanwhile, (laughs) he has a savings. It's like, you know, he has money, but I just think that, um, yeah, his his main prerogative was to save as much as possible. He just you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't you know you never know. There's there's no guaranteed security. You're in charge of that. Um, so yeah, there's definitely a lot of that going on. So interesting. Yeah. That was definitely
1: a similar mindset that um, my grandparents had actually because they grew up in war, uh, in France during World War II, and it's just like when you go through that that trauma and that experience of really not having anything and seeing people like just the world got turned upside down. And so that is going to stick with you forever. And I I really do think it goes down through generations too, because of course, like what you experience, you teach your children and and so on. So it's so interesting. Yeah. And it's very interesting to hear like how that affected you directly.
2: Yeah. I actually wonder, um, you know, because we're in this sort of Interesting economic state right now. How that will influence us over time, um, and how our you know, I have two young boys. I wonder how you know that sort of economic situation will will influence them over time. Um, yeah, I'll have to wait and see.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I think about that a lot. I um, I want so what so my perception of you going into Allied Maker, um, and I'd love for you to give a little description about Allied Maker is that you basically went in and like you helped the company like soar like and this is not exactly true but basically uh Raiden was making lamps in um Irene and Ron's um garage and then all the and then and then he kind of started getting his footing and then you came in and the business boomed and I guess Mm. is that correct (laughs) yeah (laughs) I think it was very much like
2: a perfect storm so um, you know, I had been living in Seacliff, Long Island. Um, I, I was actually literally living across the street. We were neighbors, we didn't know each other. Um, and people kept on asking me, do you know Ryden? Um Part of my background is I was living in LA and, and doing post-production coordination for commercials. Um, and I just kind of had a mindset around organization and, and producing things. Like obviously that's producing an idea for a commercial. Um, But I just had this mindset of like producing things. So actually when I came here to Long Island, I decided I was commuting into the city initially to work in the same um, industry, um, but the commute was killing me and I really wanted a local life. So I decided not to do that. And I was actually starting to do event production. Um, And people kept on you know, as I was meeting people in town and getting to know my local neighborhood, people kept on asking me like, do you know Ryden? And I thought, why does everyone keep on asking me if I know this person? Um, finally, we set up a meeting, um, and I went over and I met him. And um, at the time, as he mentioned, he was working out of Ron and Irene's his parents' um, garage. Well we say the garage, but he actually had kind of taken over the entire house. (laughs) (laughs) Of course he did. (laughs) And his mom is just an incredibly, like his parents in general are just so incredibly supportive. They were like, just do it. You know, we believe in you. Um, So he had a workshop in the garage where he was literally producing lamp parts, like wood parts, bending metal, cutting it, et cetera. um, And doing um, metal finishing and wood finishing in the garage. And then um, in the house, they were essentially packaging and wrapping and shipping. Um, And then the basement, they were doing um, assembly, photography, and everything else. So (laughs) when I went over, he toured me through what, you know, the different areas where he was working in, but I could literally see departments. I could literally see the trajectory of growth. I'm like, if this, this is like, this little nugget, but I could see it. It's like the the uh, birth of a star, like you could see it expanding. Um, so he's touring me through and I, I really just got the vision right away. I think that him and I just really speak the same language. We um, are both visionaries and we can really see the next level of growth. And um, we instantly hit it off. We started talking about different ideas. At the time there was, um, he had just signed the lease on an actual space cause you know, he had kind of outgrown um, the house. So at that point we really started working together on the next steps in the in the vision of the plan. Um, and there was a trade show. We like really came together and worked on ideas for the trade show. And then from there, um, actually, I think my addition and just like how well we were really gelling and just the ideas that we were formed was intimidating to the, to the staff that he had hired. Um, so they were like, who is this girl? She's just coming in and she's got these ideas and she's changing
1: everything. And,
2: um, there was just, everyone quit. <laughs> oh my <God>. quit. <laughs> Um, and we literally built up a new company and it was really a, a lot stronger. Because in the beginning, Bryden really hired friends, you know, he was just like, hey, can you do this quick thing for me? Um, and I think they had their own ideas as to, you know, like, maybe they would they would own part of the company or, you know, they just had their different ideas as to how the company would grow. And um, I think I really gave Bryden the support that he needed to to move it forward in a bigger direction. Um, and, we rehired staff, we set up departments, we really um, compartmentalize a lot of the business, you know, like, okay, you're not so responsible for all of it, let's set you up doing specifically metal fabrication, let's set you up specifically doing metal finishing, assembly, et cetera. So we really divided, um, and that way we were able to streamline production, things were just moving through much quicker, the, the, there was a lot of sort of buzz around the company in that moment. Um, a designer in France had ordered a bunch of lighting fixtures for her hotels, and then um, there was a few write-ups. You know, there was just like a lot of momentum. We did the trade show; a lot of people got in front of us and saw the product. You know, we were, we spoke about the product and really met people in face to face for the first time, um, and yeah, we just were able to really move things forward. And also just both of us together on the same team. And, you know, we were kind of like forming this relationship. We weren't really quite fully there yet, but it was clear we were going there. Um, We could really count on each other and work didn't stop at 5 p.m. You know, we really worked sometimes until three, four in the morning, like literally moving shelves and organizing, because I think Especially in the beginning, it's so important to really understand what it is you're doing. I think it's easy in the beginning to get like frustrated because things aren't working out exactly. You don't have all of the resources that you have just from time and experience. And um, so you literally have to put in the work to get there. And I always think about um, the quote from Dave Ramsey that, you know, if you live like no one else, Later, you can live like no one else. Um, And we really lived by that. You know, we put in the hours, we put in the work, we stayed late, we made sacrifices, we didn't go out. You know, we really just did as much as we could um, to to build the vision.
0: I have so many goosebumps because (laughs) you also, like in this time period, got pregnant with Landon. So, like, you were working till three or four in the morning and growing a baby inside of you. Yeah.
2: Um, I, I remember funny. specifically one day I'm like so pregnant and we're like shuttling around tables and moving big inventory around just to set up a new um, workflow in the office. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm like crying. I'm like, I don't know how we're going to do We're <laughs> painting. I don't know how we're going to do this. Um, but we really made it through. And, you know, in the beginning, you know, having our first child, we, actually my niece came to work for us as our full-time nanny and she used to work in the studio that we set up a baby zone in the studio so that way I can be there for my son and then also be you know a boss and um we did that for a little while and you know once he was super mobile and we set him up at home but um you know in the beginning you just kind of you got to really just dive in there and, and do what you need to do. And a lot of it's just like incremental steps to get to where you're going. And, um, you know, it kind of feels, sometimes I look back and I'm like, oh wow, that was kind of in the, in the moment it feels insurmountable to like do these things. But then you look back and you're like, actually that was cake. Like that was so much easier than where we are in this moment, you know, like <laughs> this feels insurmountable. <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, through each stage, it sort of feels like that, but then you break through and you're like, okay, I can do, you know, just this next thing. And, it, it you know, you get that space and freedom.
0: Yeah. It's been absolutely amazing watching the business grow and um, what you both have created. I mean, my favorite thing is going to like a really nice hotel and being like, is that an allied maker? <laughs> and it probably is like, symb- you know, more often than not, you know, like being in the Soho house and being like is that an allied maker? And yeah. it's just unbelievable what you guys have been able to create both professionally and personally. Um, I mean, you just got your gorgeous new home, um, that I got to see it from afar, uh, the other day. And so how has that been setting up and, um, and getting things all organized for the house?
2: Um, so I don't know, I, I'm sure you're familiar with part of the story. So. Um, we actually when we were first we first started to look for a house in 2016 when my son was born and um, we bought something and it we went into it totally emotionally we were like this is such a cool thing it's like all the vibes that we've ever wanted but we just totally turned a blind eye to all of the issues the inspection report came back and I literally wrote back to our lawyer I was just like this inspection report reads really bad or actually our realtor um this inspection report reads really bad and he totally tapped into our like emotions because he's trying to sell a house he's just like you know this this is part of the vision you know like he really like tapped into like my emotions and like us as um, you know, like visionaries. And he's just like, you guys are going to turn it, you know, like he really just helped, um, enable some of the wow. bad habits that I think that can form over time emotionally. Um, so we ended up buying the house and the house needed everything. We actually ended up knocking it down. And in the background of our life now is this never ending project that you know, thankfully, we've been able to kind of keep it going. And we kind of invest minimally in the house over time. And I think that once it is finally done, we'll either sell it, or maybe we'll use it for work, um, because it's a mid century that really wasn't well taken care of. Um, It was very well loved, but not very well taken care of the folks that had it. um, You know, they passed away, they were in their 90s, they really loved the house. Um, But they were elderly and really didn't take care of a lot of the repair, like the plumbing was bad, the roof was leaking, there was just things, Um, but it was a very cool design. So we really bought into the design um, of the house. Um, So I think we learned a lot in that. And, you know, I think that now I have a lot of employees that are looking for housing and, you know, they're starting to make their strides into their first purchase Um, and really learning this lesson. I'm really advising them. This is an investment, you know, yes, you're going to live there. You're going to have some emotions, you know, obviously you have memories and, and moments in this house that are life moments and they're emotional, but ultimately this is an investment. It's a financial investment. You really need to go into it head first with that. Um, So, we have this kind of project turning in the background and you know i guess again thankfully we've been able to really keep it afloat and we're going to slowly finish it um but then some in all of this we're still renting an apartment it was a nice apartment but we're still renting an apartment we actually ended up renting a small cottage um and at this point i'm pregnant with my second child and i'm like we need more space we need a yard it just was becoming I mean, you know, I, after my baby shower for my second baby, I'm like tripping over baby chairs and like, there's just so much stuff everywhere. <laughs> I can't do this for much longer. So we started looking again. Actually, I started looking again. And um, cause I'm always kind of looking also because I have employees that are asking me for advice. I always kind of keep my eyes on what's out there. Um, so I was looking again and the house literally right next to Ryden's parents' house was for sale. And in our town, the yards are very, very small. So when I started looking again, the first thing that I did is I wanted you know some space. So I put in the parameters for space and literally the only one that had the space that we were looking for was the neighboring property. And it was a great price. It was a great house. um, When the inspection report came back, I mean, solid bones, just really well built. Um, It wasn't as cutting edge. It was a, you know, center hall colonial, very traditional looking house, but it really fit what we needed. And in terms of like investment, it really made appropriate sense. It was the right price. It was in good shape. It really didn't need much for us to come in and change a few things and just be able to live there, you know, I mean, if we wanted to indefinitely, but we do have this other house turning. So um, we'll probably likely end up moving there afterwards. But with a little bit of improvement that we made here, we will definitely increase our dollar. So I think mm-hmm. this was just a really smart investment for us. It's and amazing. it's provided such beautiful moments, you know, oh. over the summer, um, Raiden's birthday, his 30th birthday we had here. And, you know, we had our, it, we're in COVID time. So it was kind of a weird party, but um because we've only been around our company, we decided to invite our company and um, we had everybody here from the company. And then, um, you know, we got catering. It was really, really beautiful. And we had this like really lovely night that we now have in our memory. And shortly after my mom passed away and then I was able to host all of my family here, um, you know, we had this like really beautiful family time. and. It, it was nice to like fill this house with like the sounds and the sights Mm -hmm. of my childhood. Um, and then I had my birth, my 35th birthday here. It was just like a a quick succession of all these really beautiful moments. So that coupled with like financial sense, this house has brought us so much joy. Wow. Oh, that's beautiful.
1: Can we go back to, um, what Allied Makers actually is. I, th- I think we need to give our listeners a little bit of a background into the company, what you do. I'm also interested.
0: <laughs> so yeah. I'd love to hear,
1: I'd love to hear just kind of that, the, the pitch for the company.
2: So I am the principal and creative director of Allied Maker and Raiden is also principal, but lead desi- well designer of Allied Maker. Um, so basically I, writing designs most of the fixtures and then we work together to kind of refine the ideas Um, and then I also I work a lot with the clients just kind of understanding what they need Um, sometimes I'll look at you know design plans and really advise them you know this is what I think would go best Um, and then we together kind of work on the vision for the company. Um, I think I shuttle forth a lot of the growth, like the different ideas for growth. Um, And I think that where we really gel is um, Ryden's so good at execution, like in terms of how he's able to put things together. Like I'm coming in with lots of really good ideas and um, I'll, uh, for example, Recently we moved the company over to be able to manage our products and inventory a little bit better. Like I researched um, a company that could really manage that for manufacturing. Um, But then because of Raiden's, and he wasn't a trained engineer, but over time he has become an engineer. But because of that sort of engineering mindset, um, we really worked together to Populate everything that was needed because the software out of the box really needed a lot of programming in order to work. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think the, so. Just to go back to your question, we design and manufacture um, lighting fixtures, contemporary lighting fixtures um, for residences and commercial projects. Um, anyone can go on our website and buy a lighting fixture, but predominantly we work with trade Um, so architects, interior designers, um, et cetera.
0: Awesome. Yeah, they're absolutely gorgeous. Um, So something about Lynette is that she has meticulous taste. (laughs) I mean, just the best, her eye is insane. And so I'm wondering when you're looking at items to purchase, like what do you think, how do you value something as a good investment? So that's a great question. So
2: I actually want to go back to before Raiden and I got together, when I was living on my own, what I used to do a lot before we were doing any of this, you know, I I think I used to edit clothing a lot. You know, sometimes I would buy some things and it'd be like, oh, this is, and through that constant editing process, I learned what I hold on to for the longest amount of time is typically Mm -hmm. something that was an investment piece or just maybe thrifted and really good quality or just randomly good quality. Like every once in a while I'd walk into like, I don't know, some fast store and I'd notice that something was like really well made and then that would last for a long time. So um, I think just really keeping your eyes out for how something's constructed um something well made is going to last obviously much longer than something that like looks cool but you know is kind of chintzy so you really want to um take note of whatever it is you know um if it's a piece of furniture is it ha- look at how it's constructed does, you know like i always look at hardware and like if i if you open a drawer does it function really well um you know, just like really well-made pieces will obviously serve you much better over time. Um, the exception to that, I think, is like really um, special, like vintage pieces that you can kind of sprinkle in um, kind of with. But for me, I think everything's, like the my collection pieces really have a story also to them. Um, and when there's a story behind the things in your life, you're able to, they mean more to you and, you know, you, the value of them is so different than, you know, just like some random thing from, from anywhere. Um, so I always try to look for the best quality things. Um, and that doesn't mean always spending a lot of money. Um, you know, I think one time I walked into literally like forever 21, and I was just kind of looking around and I ended up finding this dress that was just like oddly well-made. Um, and I kept that dress for so long. I think I still have it somewhere in storage. I, it's a little bit, you know, not like 35, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, Is anything a Forever 21
0: 35?
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I've kept it because it, it really was such a well-made thing. Um, and that's really what I look for. And, you know, I think that that served me really well. And, um, you know, I, I always revert back to that. Like, it, does it feel like it's going to last? You know, does it feel like, or, or does it have this special story that I will identify with and bring it with me through time?
0: That's such a unique perspective. Most people are like, I just want it. You know, they're not <laughs> thinking about like the long-term value, which I think is, that kind of visionary mind that you have of like, okay, how do we keep growing Allied Maker? How do we keep growing um, even our resources, what we have, you know, um, all the little fixtures, all the little changes even you're doing to the home that you feel like was like pretty well structured when you got it.
2: Right, I think it's so easy to get into like, I need this right now, you know, cause like needs right now are so urgent sometimes. But ultimately we have to remember, like we're literally time traveling. Like that's part of what we're doing as like human beings. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're gonna be here tomorrow. We're gonna be here next year. You know, like the, the, the assumption of like, we're going through time. Um, you need like whatever you're doing to be able to travel with you through time. Um, I'll go back to the example of the software that we, um, when we were looking and doing research on the software that we were gonna use for our company next, Um, We were still, so we had made a lot of changes for software. A lot of our challenge when, because the way we manufacture lighting fixtures, you're able to sort of customize them to your space. So you can select your finish, um we have a lot of different finishes and everything's made to order so we don't make anything until a person places an order so when a person places an order on the website then their order goes into production so there is a lead time associated with their order um which is sort of a new model um for home furnishings um and the goal behind that is lean manufacturing so that where you're not holding on to inventory and stock um so we have an order placed on our website, we start producing the items. Um, now we're at the point where we do kind of stock some of our best selling um, raw parts so that way we're not waiting on things being made, but um, we essentially take the raw parts and then start producing the items. We get the finish on it, we assemble it, we you know quality control it, and then we send it out. Um, so. In the beginning, when or not in the beginning, we kind of in the midst from where we started to where we are now in the middle, um, we were really looking at different enterprise solutions for the management of all of those parts because we have you know 100 or maybe 200 lighting fixtures and there's all these different variants to how we put things together. Um, it creates a lot of in, like uh, different bits to yeah. the inventory um, literally down to the last screw so we need something to really manage all of the information associated with people's order. So when a person places an order, it breaks it down to a bill of materials and you know we can really figure out, okay, we need to put this into metal finishing, this into um, fabrication, et cetera. Um, so there was a couple of different things that we were looking at. And um, I think at the time I'm like, well, this fits where we are right now, you know, like this fits where we are right now. it'll suit everything that we need, but looking at our growth i I just don't think that this will last very long. Oh, I think that it'll be relieving for us right now, but next year we'll still will we'll, this will still be a pain point um, so I really wanted something that we could end moving over, migrating onto anything new takes time to set up. So I was concerned that we would get set up on this new thing and then we'd have to change the way we were doing things. And it's jarring to the company, you know, really getting into, and it was only because we really had, um, you know, a few years of business experience at that point to be able to say, okay, well, this was our sales here this was our sales the following year. We literally doubled our sales the following year. We doubled our sales again the following year. So we had now three years of doubling our sales. So I knew that if it happened again, we wouldn't be able to sustain it Um, in terms of like the, the software growth. So we researched a couple of like next level enterprise solutions and we were able to use the integration time to really feel out where we were going. And as it happened, when we were launching on the new system, we were right there with that solution. Mm. Um, So, you know, it's really important to kind of study
0: your, where you're coming from, um, to know where you're gonna go. What's so impressive is that um, it can cost a lot of time and money to find these systems. Like these are not, these are like, no, this isn't like you, like, this is you, changing the whole business and like absolutely and the fact that you were willing to do all that research yeah um it was intense I think that um
2: when we were really looking at solutions I think that the way we were thinking about it is this is like a high level employee Um, so we were kind of making that investment thinking like of the relief that would come as a high level person Um, you know if you pay like a good salary to high level, it's going to be a hundred, over a hundred thousand dollars. So we're really thinking about it as like a high level employee. And it really has been that for us, it's made so many people's jobs easier. Mm -hmm. And also before we made this switch, um, we really needed high level thinkers in every department because there was a lot of, um, problem solving constantly. Mm -hmm. Um, so now making things simpler for the production staff means that we can get people up and running and trained much faster, um, with less um, effort. So, um, it was absolutely worth it for us, for us at that point. But I, you know, I always think about like kind of the beginning steps because, all of that laid the foundation for where we were in that moment. Like we really took super baby steps in the beginning. I think a lot of times like people, uh, I know so many people that are like trying to get into their own business. And like, you know, sometimes I get asked advice as to how we got started. And um, I always kind of remind people to like take baby step- manageable baby steps I kind of see it as like merging into a lane on the highway. Like when you're on the highway, like cool. But when you're merging, there's just a certain approach to it. You know, like you don't just get on, you like identify a gap, you start increasing your speed. Once you're, once you get there, you start slowly moving over. It's not like you just like move into where you're going. You kind of just like (laughs) slowly make that. And um, I think in business and you know especially when you're first getting started it's very much that way like literally identify the gap like identify where there isn't something that you feel like needs to be there and then slowly start making steps to get into where you're going um and if that means like talking to people that are doing the same thing you know like really aligning yourself with that with that mission That's Um, such
0: good advice. Yeah, it really is, and it's so and it's great to hear because that's not what it looked like on the outside. Like it looked like you went from you guys got together and the business exploded within like a really short period of time. So it's nice to know that all those little baby steps that had to happen in order to make that appearance.
2: Yeah, and I think in in the beginning, you know, and I want to kind of go back to sort of my money story because. You know, obviously, my parents both had these like different opposing views on money. But over time, I really took on, and I didn't—I wouldn't say like direct mentorship—but I looked to people that I felt were very good with money, and I saw—I tried to take um, their example as to what they did well, and um, you know, was influenced by a lot of people that I felt um, you know, we're good with money or that inspired me in some kind of way for whatever reason. Um, and I really tried to take on those qualities. And, um, I think that was the the best thing because seeing it done an example, it's like doing it yourself. You know, you kind of like learn these little tricks along the way, um, that, that definitely help. And I think even when we were, you know, really starting to grow the business, um, you know, we kind of did the same thing. We looked to people that were inspiring to us that were a little bit further along in their path. We kind of um, saw what they were doing right. And, you know, maybe some things that we can improve um, because of our um, unique perspective um, and shuttled it
0: along. What were some of those, um, if you could think of a couple of examples of people that that really inspired you um, along your path? Um, so one of my dad's
2: sort of business partners was a hotelier. So I always thought it was really fascinating, um, fascinating work. And, um, he was always working on new projects and he also had a lot of, um, he was the first person that I knew that like invested in the stock market and like was, Mm. was really smart about his money. So I always asked a lot of questions. I was always like, really like enthused whenever he was around just asking (laughs) everything that I possibly could and you know he seemed pretty happy to talk about himself. (laughs) Um,
1: I think curiosity is like one of the key traits to growing a business and just asking questions and learning from from people who are a little bit ahead of you so I think that's that's such a such a key key thing to remember. Um, Shifting gears a little bit what I'm very interested in what it's like to have both a business partnership and a relationship with the per with like one person (laughs) and I think to some people that's their dream to some people that's not what they're looking for and I'd love to hear kind of your experience and maybe some of the challenges and benefits of of living that lifestyle
2: so for Ryden and I both I think that's we we both really wanted that Mm -hmm. um you know, I look at like some of these like famous couples that have modeled their life that way, um, like Charles and Ray Eames. And, you know, there's like a few examples that I can think of that really were inspiring to me over time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think for both of us, we really wanted, I also growing up, I'm like, if you could run, like running a family is like running a business. So to me, it just made sense that my partner, like what I was looking for would would do both. Mm. Um, and it also is really natural to us, you know, like we love spending time together. I mean, literally we sit across from each other in the office and like, it's it's bizarre when one of us isn't there. Like we, <laughs> we bounce every idea off of each other. And we, I think at the core of it, we have a really good friendship and we really respect each other um so that as a foundation i think can just kind of move a lot of things forward we really respect we value each other's opinion we respect each other we really think you know each one is intelligent and creative and and we really have that trust um <clears throat> and when we became parents it was i think the business part of it was very easy like we were like oh, okay like this is fun play like basically um i think when we became parents it became like super real that Mm. um the stress like the stresses of family are totally different um and we were getting very tried because we were trying to grow our business baby and our literal baby at the same (laughs) time um and both required a lot from us and i think that um It took a little bit of uh, sort of figuring out, but we at that time had a very work heavy balance and we needed more of a a work life balance. So once Mm -hmm. we really shifted that a little bit, um, just a little bit at the time, because the work baby still needed a lot of attention, um, but we did make some changes to, you know, like come home earlier and like spend more time with Landon and like really, invest time in him too because he's a little human being you know he really needs a, a lot from us and you know we we see like the impact of like the influence that we have obviously over him over time and um just the little shift of that I think for us as new parents especially really added the added to the enjoyment of the family element um obviously we we enjoyed each other and we were like very into that but like the addition of a of a first baby just totally rocks your world and like you need to be prepared for how that changes all elements of your life for example when we had our second son because we were very much set up that way um it was so much easier like it it was so much more enjoyable and i think that all of us were just really ready for that um but yeah Ryan and i work super well together we um you know it's a it's a true partnership
0: in every way Yeah. You guys have amazing communication just from the, from the ground zero. Yeah. And that's the, that's the key right there. (laughs) Lynette, you manage a lot. You manage a home, you manage two children, you manage a business. You are always constantly working on um, projects internally and, and also for clients. How do you like manage your day to day?
2: Um, So I think it's really important for me to get some me time and, That way I'm not like, I got to give, but I don't have anything, you know, like I don't have anything to give. So I typically wake up at early, like six and well before, and I go and I work out at six. Um, And then I have a little bit of quiet time when I get back home from working out, just to kind of have my own thoughts. Um, I think that time is like really, really important for like my mental health, like I need just me, like with my own thoughts before my kids wake up and everyone's, you know, demanding for different needs. Um, so obviously I deal with my getting, you know, Rafferty changed and ready for the day, Landon in the shower and ready for school. Um, and and then I really start to manage the things for the, for the company. The morning time is obviously one of the most pressing moments, uh, but really getting the production company, like when you work in um, production or manufacturing, like the morning, the setup time is just so critical for how the day goes. Um, So I really give all of my attention in, you know, that morning time to the company, um, really straightforward. Um, And then in the afternoon, I really focus on like outreach, like client requests, like really touching base with with our people um, out in the world. I do every day because we live really close to our, our business. I come home every day for lunch. Um, I think also resetting in the middle of the day is really important for me. Um, just having some quiet time. And then Rafferty's here. Like I can check in with him. Like I really have that time with him. Um, and then just sort of wind down when I get home, like after we have dinner and you know, my son's four, but he's already getting homework after homework time. And, you know, the baby goes to sleep. I really also try to invest a little bit more time into myself. So that way I feel again, full, I can like give when I've given myself. Yeah, that's great. It's key giving to yourself first.
1: Um, and I think that's such a good example to set for, for your family too, is like showing your children, showing your, and your employees too, that you are like prioritizing yourself. So that's incredible.
2: Yeah. I think it's really critical because I think it's so easy to like people please and like really give more than you have sometimes. And, um, you know, then you get to a point where you're like, I literally can't do this anymore. Like I just need to do something else, you know? Um, So I think the way to just kind of stay, stay the course and like be consistent is to really give yourself those moments of reprieve. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very well said.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming and chatting with us. It was such a, a, a lovely conversation. I always love speaking to people who are really doing it, you know, like those are the people you want to learn from. Is there anything you'd like to promote?
2: Where can people find you? Um, nothing in particular that I want to promote, but our company is Allied Maker. It's www.alliedmaker.com, And it's in the process of getting a new website. So I'm really excited to share it with everyone. Um, we are doing like a 3D configurator. So you Ooh. can go onto our website and apply your finishes and you'll be able to see exactly what item you're going to get. Um, and it's been a work in progress and we're really excited to watch it.
1: That's awesome. awesome. And you guys are also on, on Instagram, right? I've seen, yeah. I've seen you on there.
2: It's yeah, what's, have,
1: what's the handle?
2: It's just allied maker. Oh, and, perfect. Okay. Yeah. It's really fun there. Cause we they have a lot of shots of, things in projects and, um, you know, just kind of in situation, which is really, Ooh, nice I love see. seeing that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's like, um, it is lighting porn. It's just like, so satisfying.
2: <laughs>
0: well, thank you guys so much. It's been absolutely wonderful to talk to you. And before you leave, we, yeah. have, we ask all of our guests, um, if you had to describe your relationship with money in one word, what would it be? Um,
2: I would say it's constantly evolving, you know, kind of have a, I mentioned earlier, it's money is one of your longest lasting relationships in life. Hmm. You know, it's a thing that like you will have a really, whether it's good, bad, indifferent, whatever, you just need to understand you do have a relationship with money and it's up to you to really challenge what it is and get it where you want it to be.
1: Yeah. I mean, so true. So true. Um, we also always like to end our podcast with three things that we're grateful for. AJ, do you want to start today?
0: Sure. Um, I am grateful for um, Brett is the Lynette in the relationship. He's super organized and methodical. Um, and I'm grateful <laughs> to have that in a partner. Um, Because we would get way less done (laughs) if I didn't have that. Um, I am grateful for my espresso machine that I'm going to go make a coffee, a decaf coffee. And (laughs) I'm grateful um, for uh, this nice weather that we've been uh, getting in November, which also makes me feel really scared, but also excited. Yeah.
1: Great. Lynette, do you want to go next?
2: I am grateful for health. Mm. I am grateful for the small moments that seem like nothing in the moment, but that end up being extraordinary. Um, And I am grateful for all of you lovely people.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Um, Okay, I am grateful for... Also the nice weather. I'm looking at the sunshine right now, it's beautiful. Um, Grateful for access to healthy food
0: and I'm grateful for Frankie. Oh, (laughs) I wanna add one more grateful. I'm just so grateful for the Rizzo's. (laughs) My my second family, I get one more. Thank you, Lynette, for being on. And thank you, everybody, for listening to Everybody's Bad With Money. This podcast was presented by Beyond the Green Coaching. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and beyondthegreencoaching.com. Have a wonderful morning, noon, or night. And we will speak (laughs) to you next Wednesday.
2: Thank you so much.
0: Thanks, Lynette.